Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin Podcast. My name is Matt Brusky, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action, and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We have our full panel this holiday season, and that means Jorna Taylor is with us. Jorna is a nonprofit consultant here in Wisconsin. Jorna, welcome. Oh, oh, Jorna. Oh, Jorna. We got to get Jorna's mic in front of her. Anyways, no, welcome, Jorna. And as happy holidays. And as always, Robert Craig, our executive director here at Citizen Action. Robert. Good morning and happy holidays, everyone. So we're going to uh, let our panel and our, our listeners know right away that we have a guest with us. And that is Terry Williams. Terry Williams is the new radioactive organizer here for our organizing cooperative. Terry, welcome. Good morning. So we wanted to have Terry on to talk about our cooperative and the radioactive campaign. It's, uh, well, first of all, it's been successful and uh, in its drive to get well over 300 members and uh, have Terry start permanently working with the membership on a campaign to essentially try and break the conservative monopoly on our media here in uh, southeastern Wisconsin and I guess even much more broader throughout the state. So welcome, Terry. Thank you. Good morning. So obviously, uh, this campaign was over 60 days to try to get well over 300 members, and it's now been a success. So first of all, just enlighten our listeners. What are the top goals? What, what does this group of members want to do with Radioactive? Well, we have a two-pronged strategy. First, we want to um, we have a media accountability project where we monitor and track uh, the five right-wing talk radio hosts in the Milwaukee market. Secondly, we also are researching the feasibility of having a progressive broadcasting outlet. Those those sound like two very very good goals. Mm-hmm. Now, the first one you you mentioned was this uh, right-wing radio accountability project. Now, tracking so members, do, if I have this right, will be listening to all the different radio state uh, all the different shows mm-hmm. um is donating brain cells <laughs> right exactly right. brain cell yeah. for every hour it's documented well they currently have one less uh person to track that being charlie sykes we will talk about charlie sykes later in this podcast but there's a new replacement we can yeah talk about for now later. We're, we yeah. will we're gonna have uh, mike brown on from one wisconsin now in just a few minutes to talk a little bit more mm-hmm. about the uh going away party for charlie sykes this week but anyway so tracking all of the content that is that's as you said robert donating brain cells so t- tell yeah. us more and how's this going to work yeah it's a lot of work um we have a media and tracking team they're also doing archiving so basically what we're doing is setting up a system sort of like how media trackers uses with tv that will you mean media matters or media media matters Big thank difference. you oh, huge hey. difference Big Ooh, difference. my bad um, yeah but some of them right. don't leave their podcasts up there for some reason. They're not right. proud of their yep. their archives for some reason. Yeah, some for some reason they'll take them down after a day when they start getting attacked, right? So, um, so yeah, we're we're scraping those off of the internet, and we have people listening to them as well. Um, we're also working on a transcription service so that we don't have to listen to 19 hours a day of talk radio necessarily. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, we do have people monitoring and then just basically calling them out. It's a project that lets people who wouldn't otherwise listen to right-wing radio be aware of the kinds of attacks that are being made on us as progressives. And it's, you know, it's the terrible stuff we all know about, right? The, yeah. uh, the terrible slurs. It's uh, saying Tammy Baldwin didn't do anything cause about the Toma opiate crisis, the vet- veterans place, because the veterans, quote-unquote, weren't gay and things like that. But right. it's also just broader 
how much time they spend electioneering, mm -hmm. uh, what topics they're all talking about at the same time. So we can analyze, gee, I wonder who wrote those talking points that all five of them talked about on the same day right. with Ron Johnson, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So it's not just the gotyas. It's even it's looking at the, the whole system they have and then using the ammunition, right, Terry, to break the right-wing media monopoly, to challenge these media corporations that give us only right-wing electioneering on our public airwaves right. in the Milwaukee area. Yeah, I mean, we're a, we're a democratic stronghold. There's no reason we shouldn't have a voice on the airwaves. We've seen it be successful in Minneapolis and Chicago. We're just looking for balance. If one of our listeners says, hey, I don't know much about this, but this sounds mm -hmm. like something I'm very interested in, what do they need to do to find out about getting involved in joining the Radioactive Campaign and joining our uh, organizing cooperative? We have a Facebook page that's very active if you search for Radioactive Campaign. And probably the easiest way would be to go to Citizen Action wi.org and click on radioactive and then if they wanted to contact you how would they get in touch with you <laughs> well you would call me <laughs> just in case just in case they wanted that level of contact <laughs> if they did 414-218-5384 and, um, and there's our staff list on our website Look exactly terry williams so we're really glad to have our second guest actually to join us. That is Mike Brown. Mike Brown is the deputy director at One Wisconsin Now, and we are having Mike on to talk a little bit about our friend Charlie Sykes. Mike, thanks for joining us. Hey, great to be here. So you guys had a, a great piece this week in the Cap Times talking about Charlie Sykes and this being his, what was it, Tuesday was his last... The swan song. The swan song of Charlie Sykes. And, um, and so you guys had an excellent piece really laying out what's fundamentally wrong uh, with what Charlie Sykes did, but also in the context of this sort of Mia Copa O sort of tour he's going on to try to distance himself from all of his work. So love for you just to chat a little bit more about kind of the highlights of what you guys wanted to make sure the public understood about Charlie Sykes. Sure, sure. Yeah, you know, in, in lieu of fireworks, we wanted to give uh, <laughs> this as a send-off for, uh, uh, for, for Charlie Sykes because, you know, we believe that uh, he has done great harm to political discourse in the state of Wisconsin and also to the, uh, the issue environment here over his 23 years. And while he is, uh, you know, trying to uh, move himself on to some uh, national media prominence with his with his never Trumpism. Uh, I don't think by any stretch of the imagination he has either accepted responsibility for or uh, atoned for the damage that he's done to this state uh, in in his career. Um, you know, I'll give you just I'll give you just one example uh, that I think really strikes home with us, especially here, um, and I know probably with with you all also because of our work on voting rights. Uh, you know, it was, it, it came to light that in the immediate aftermath uh, of Election Day in, in 2011, when it appeared that um, the conservatives may have lost David Prosser uh, on the state Supreme Court, um, emails came to light that had, uh, you know, major conservative lobbyists and, and other strategists uh, talking amongst themselves saying, it looks like we might lose this election. We need to stoke fears of voter fraud now, with absolutely no basis in fact. Uh, and sure enough, the very next day, uh, Charlie Sykes was on the radio suggesting that there may have been voting impropriety that occurred uh, in this election that they thought they lost. You know, and, and this really drove the narrative 
of there being this, this, this phantom fraud that set the stage for passage of, of voter ID law that, you know, the only thing we know about it is that it disenfranchises hundreds of thousands of Wisconsinites. So, Mike, uh, there's Robert. I think uh, you guys did a great job uh, making the case against Charlie Sykes, talking about what a bu- bully he is, but I think even more importantly, uh, talking about this as a business model that was highly profitable for him. So he was on multiple payrolls, you know, made a lot of money being paid for by by right-wing dark money over at the Wisconsin Policy Research Institute. And the business model of marginalizing people, attacking the less powerful, attacking African Americans, attacking public employees, attacking basically everyone for divide-and-conquer purposes, that uh, literally uh, was a, also a way to drive rating points and to create this huge divide in Milwaukee that was ver- that's been very successful for and, and important for the right-wing takeover. Uh, so literally, that what he said about people, what he did was not an accident. It was part and parcel of the business model. It's like child labor or denying coverage of people with pre-existing conditions. It's actually absolutely unethical what this man did for three decades here in Milwaukee and in Wisconsin. Yeah, you know, Robert, you're, you're absolutely right. And you know, I mean, the, the really nefarious thing about it, too, is that he wasn't necessarily doing this of his own, you know, um, he wasn't coming up with his own show topics. He was literally being fed his talking points by the state Republicans and by these conservative organizations that uh, that were behind him. You know, I mean, it was um, it was very definitely integrating his media platforms, which included a television show, a radio show, uh, and more recently his website, into the Republican message machine um, in a way that didn't necessarily identify it as coming from a, uh, a politician where you might uh, be able to attribute some biases or, or understand that you know, they're coming from a certain perspective. I think this was, this was much, more, much more nefarious than that. Uh, and also, you know, I mean, it was, it was effective in driving uh, a media narrative. Well, Mike, this is Jorna. Thanks for joining us today. You know, I just have to say, I think you and Robert are just being so hard on poor Charlie Sykes. I mean, nefarious and, you know, words like disingenuous and things. You know, I think we need to reward people for seeing the light as it may be and, and, you know, taking whatever sort of responsibility he is taking now for for trying to change this narrative that he's built over, you know, decades. I, I just... I don't know. I I think that you all are just going about this wrong and that we're going to catch more, um, what is it, flies with honey than vinegar, bees, um, you know, mosquitoes, whatever it may be, blood-sucking vampire Republicans. What? That's a great question for Mike. Uh, Has Charlie apologized and owned up to all of this? You know, I don't think that you can say by any stretch of the imagination that he's actually offered an apology for what you know, for what he participated in for over two decades. Um, he's bemoaned um, the fact that uh, there's been this rise of fake news and this uh, suspicion uh, of media sources among his uh, listeners, but he was on the radio every single day, um, <laughs> you know, bashing this so-called <laughs> liberal media, and, uh, you know, he referred to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel as the, you know, the, the, the fish wrap. And, I mean, every single mainstream media uh, was, was questioned by him, and now he's, you know, surprised that his listeners are questioning uh, the veracity of media sources. You know, I mean, it's, 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 he's, he's bemoaning the state of affairs that he helped to create versus you know, really offering any apology or trying to do anything to uh, undo the damage that he's done. And we have a blog on this, Mike, but even after all these apologies and these appearances on MSNBC, also for pay, 
Uh, he, when, Sher when the Sherman Park civil unrest occurred this summer, was right on all of the traditional race baiting and, and code racism. So there was no change even after these alleged apologies. Yeah, that's what I wanted to also get a follow-up from you on is, you know, that was one of the most pernicious aspects of him was the race baiting, right? And and Robert, we've talked about it, Jorna, on this podcast before, you know, dog whistle and this election, the dog whistle kind of was gone and we had Which just straight up... Charlie, that right. they weren't using the appropriate well, whistle. but that's just it, right? When this guy... And, that's what he did. That's what he was really a pro at and, and did it in a city like Milwaukee, which is one of the few really truly diverse cities in the state that he has kind of this legacy of really kind of being on the forefront of keeping us divided in a time when, quite frankly, we should have really been growing together and it could have been and should be the strength of Milwaukee, quite frankly. And he made it a divisive thing where we're, we're kind of almost at a national high standard in terms of the way we're divided, particularly in this region of the state. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right about that. And, and it's, you know, we are obviously entering a very dangerous time uh, in our nation's politics where, you know, some of this stuff is being um, almost normalized and it, you know, it's, it's not okay and it needs to be uh, stopped and we need to be speaking out against it. And, you know, Charlie Sykes, I think, was uh, uh, over his career, obviously, um, you know, intimately involved in this this almost mainstreaming of uh, um, of, of this racism and and these uh, um, you know prom promoting promoting racial stereotypes, uh, you know, from the um, from his broadcast to that uh, um, you know EBT uh, video all the way through to. I mean, literally referring to the first lady of the United States of America as Mooch. I mean, it's just appalling. Just to back up for a second, if anybody saw the um, New York Times piece that he wrote as his sort of um, chastising of the right, you know, he continues to use all of these sort of right-wing justifications. You know, Hillary Clinton was the worst. Hillary, if you were, you know, voting, Hillary Clinton was the worst. He says it like three times throughout the whole article. And that, you know, then he writes off Donald Trump as being the state of our politics explain why Donald Trump, you know, he takes zero responsibility for any of this and is, you know, portraying himself as now this sort of newfangled conservative moderate um, from Milwaukee who has seen the light. I mean, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. You know, the other thing is he hasn't used his platform at all to denounce those other politicians who are making Trump possible. You know, what has Charlie Sykes said critically about what we like to refer to as the Wisconsin media sacred cow, Paul Ryan? Uh, you know, what has he said about Ryan's Priebus, who's now going to be uh, helping run the Trump administration? I mean, he hasn't called to account to any of those other people who paved the way for Trump. And in fact, if you listen to him on, a, on election morning, the day after the election, he had Scott Walker on his first guest, and they acted like it was a great triumph in their joint movement uh, to take back Wisconsin that Trump was elected president. So you can't even take seriously his alleged, uh, you know, heresies against uh, the, the current president-elect. I mean, I, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, uh, with, with Charlie Sykes past his prologue, you know, I mean, he spent 23 years, you know, basically selling himself as a... Uh, 
uh, as a mouthpiece for the Republican Party here in the state of Wisconsin. And he's in, you know, he's an entertainer and he's out to make a buck. And he has, you know, seen that uh, there's a there's another way to uh, to portray himself uh, as you know some sort of conservative with a conscience and and make a little money on on national television now and sell some books. You know, I mean, it's I don't think there's there's any kind of real conversion here. I think uh, you know Charlie Sykes is still Charlie Sykes, and it's uh, he's willing to do or say what he needs to in order to uh, make a living. Well, we agree, and uh, obviously Charlie Sykes may be gone, but he is going to be replaced. Um, By and the global warming <laughs> denying weatherman. <laughs> so, so um, with that, though, that's why I think our radioactive campaign remains important, and saying that we're not going to just allow this to continue, and we're actually going to push back and look for accountability. Robert, you mentioned Scott Walker, and um, Mike, you mentioned the mainstreaming of racism. Well, I think we could say that uh, Charlie Sykes helped mainstream Walker in some ways, um, and certainly Walker's ideas. And so one of the things before you go, Mike, we really want to get your thoughts on a couple of uh, some Walker gems that came out this week, Uh, one of them being his support for an Article 5 convention to the Constitution. Do you got any thoughts on that idea? I, what could go wrong? <laughs> uh, you, you know, I mean, where do we get I, to where this is a legitimate conversation? So you know, we've no, got I, a living... I, I make I make light of it a, a little a little bit here, but uh, you know, I mean, this is a, this, this is serious stuff. You know, I mean, if this gang gets. Uh, gets together and breaks our United States Constitution, we are not going to be able to put democracy back together again. I mean, it's just a simple fact. And in his, in his comments on it, he tried to portray it as some sort of, oh, this is just a sensible thing. We can do some, um, you know, some, some moderate things like a balanced budget amendment or something like that. Yeah. You know, once you, once you open this up uh, and once it's this gang with their hands on the Constitution, uh, I think everyone needs to be very concerned about what actually ends up uh, coming out. You know, I mean, they have shown that they have been, you know, willing to use the media. Uh, They have been willing to use their offices. They have been willing to use uh, rewriting of state law in order to, you know, rig the rules on voting uh, to to protect themselves in power. Don't think for a second that they won't also try and use the Constitution if they're sitting there rewriting it. Well, and we're learning so much about our fine Constitution, some of the little time bombs our 18th century uh, founding fathers left in it, right? So just like with the Electoral College earlier. But uh, specifically, there's only been one constitutional convention, and it was led by George Washington, James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, and John Jay. Instead, we're going to get Paul Ryan, and we're going to get Marco Rubio, and we're going to get Mitch McConnell. And I'm sure, Mike, you can add to the list of illustrious statespeople that would be rewriting the fundamental laws of our country. Yeah, you know, I mean, closer to home here, I don't think I want Chris Kapenga anywhere near the Constitution. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, yeah, it's it is it is it is a scary thought uh, because you know this this gang has really shown that they are willing to put uh, you know party and political opportunism before any any sense of patriotism. You know, I mean, it it is it is all about the accumulation and the exercise of power and protecting their hold on power. Um, and I don't think there's any way that they can credibly suggest that um, you know this is anything other than another another avenue for them to do that again. There'll probably be a constitutional right to burn dirty carbon fuels because we can't possibly try to uh, prevent a global warming genocide, just for example. So we could probably add to the fine list of what their priorities will be. So, 
I with, wonder if they can outlaw Planned Parenthood in the Constitution. Well, they might try, especially if they got a chance. Well, Mike, we really want to thank you for taking time out of your day and uh, joining us to talk a little bit here on the podcast. We appreciate it. Hey, by the way, if folks want to get involved or find out more about One Wisconsin Now, what should they do? Uh, they can check us out on the web at onewisconsinnow.org, uh, at, on the uh, Twitter machine at, at onewisconsinnow, uh, or on Facebook. Very good. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Happy holidays. Thank you. So with that, we also want to thank Terry Williams for joining us on the podcast. Now, Terry, you were very shy in our first stretch. Let folks know again if they want to get involved in Radioactive, especially after hearing what's at stake, and how do they get in touch with you? Sure. We're at um, on the web at uh, citizenactionwi.org backslash join underscore radioactive. And you can also join us upcoming events on our events page up top. And I should just say that Terry is the opposite of me. Terry's very outgoing um, <laughs> interpersonally. And so any, uh, don't, don't know Terry will really like working with her. Uh, and more reserved, mm-hmm. speaking in public, I'm the other way around. Yeah. So we're, we're opposites. <laughs> so, Terry, thank you very much. And thank you. Uh, again, folks, really strongly encourage you to get involved in our radioactive campaign. So, with that, Robert, we have to talk about the big release of the healthcare cost report, which we have now talked about probably now, what, four years, five years on this podcast? Six years we've been doing the podcast? I don't know, no. But we've uh, talked every year about this uh, healthcare cost report. And I got to tell you, I can't think of a year where it's not more timely more important. I actually opened up my Facebook this morning and uh, it wanted to tell me eight years ago today I was posting an image about why we needed the uh, Affordable Care Act to pass. And by the time we get back together from our holiday to talk again on the podcast, it may already be repealed. So um, you released a study that basically debunked one of the main reasons they say we need to get rid of the Affordable Care Act. That is that costs are out of control with it. And uh, so tell us more about this report and what it found as it relates to costs here in Wisconsin for health care. And we'll have a link there. And there was tons of press coverage, uh, fortunately. Uh, we didn't get much press coverage for candlelight vigils and protests about the repeal, but we did about this research. And we've been doing this report for 11 years, and we have a data set that goes back to the year 2000. So this year we asked a new question while also updating all of the existing rankings and how much health insurance costs in each city in the state, and that is... How much of the hyperinflation in health insurance costs was before the Affordable Care Act is fully implemented in 2014, uh, so the 13 years before, and how much in, in, the, in the four years afterwards? And we found stunning numbers that completely debunk the whole narrative of the last election and the whole narrative of Trump and congressional Republicans. For, and in Wisconsin, what the data shows is, is that the rate of inflation was 15% per year from the year 2000 uh, to 2013, and it's only been 2% per year since, 2013, since 2014 so when they fully implemented the Affordable Care Act. So getting aside whether the Affordable Care Act caused uh, the decline, there's no question that there has not been a giant spike uh, uh, spike in health insurance premiums as we saw in ad after ad from Ron Johnson and, and Donald Trump, quite the contrary, which means... That, as we know, repealing the Affordable Care Act will do nothing other than make health insurance less accessible and more expensive and return to the days of discrimination. It's worth pointing out, uh, Robert, you know, I posted, when I posted this on Facebook yesterday, it didn't take very long before we had a union bargaining rep 
who responded, and by the way, his name is Grant Withers. Uh, folks, listeners may know Grant. He's been around the progressive movement for a long time, who uh, thanked us for the reporting and said, this is exactly what he's experienced in his years bargaining at the negotiating table, that that the last few years he's, he has seen the costs uh, that he's been negotiating gone down to even some places where it's been zero to like anywhere to like 5% versus in the past before it was anywhere from 15 to 30% increases that he had been traditionally negotiating, which obviously contradicts, as you said, what the common narrative the Republicans have been pushing. Yeah, and I heard this. the same from uh, WEAC Uniserve directors after we released the report. Um, so, Robert, you mentioned 2008, and you know, in 2008, I actually worked for Citizen Action on healthcare, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, went through the whole uh, enactment of Obamacare uh, while I was here, and then with other allied organizations. Um, and so, as someone who is on the exchange, as I've talked about, I'm really glad that there is some sort of stability in my healthcare costs. But you know, it, Republicans, there, no one's going to be worse off when they. Repeal Obamacare, though. That's what Paul Ryan You're said. channeling Paul Ryan. I yes. heard so, someone already put a billboard uh, up down in Janesville about that. Uh, we think, we've been saying on the podcast, that Paul Ryan will rue the day. Because here's the thing, Jorna. They're, what they're going to do in January is repeal all the funding for the Medicaid expansion and the, and the affordability subsidies. So there's no way their replacement could work, even if they did do a viable replacement, because there'll be no money for Wait, it. Wait, I'm sorry. Step no one. Facts. Whoa, whoa, Step yeah. Yeah, those are, those are not talking points, Robert. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. you're, no you're trying to say that they're facts and like, so no one's going to be worse off if we decrease the amount of funding that goes into healthcare. You see, things like healthcare are the opposite <laughs> of other things. Oh, if we were to cut the military, for example, it would harm the military in, in the conservative ideological lexicon. But if we cut Medicare and we cut Medicaid and we cut all the funding in the Affordable Care Act to make healthcare affordable, it'll make healthcare more affordable. It's sort of quantum physics. Kind right? of like infrastructure building. And it'll yeah. provide choice. Got it. Choice. I yes. got it. So hey, to choice, our listeners, I have yeah. a listener challenge, Robert. You mentioned that uh, Paul, that there's a, a billboard up in Janesville. Is that where you said yeah, it is? Yeah, I don't know who put it up, but someone sent me a picture so of it yesterday. So here is the podcast challenge to all our listeners. If you can get a photograph of the said sign, and I'm not saying some, you know, Low it's next grade. to a Super 8 hotel along some highway. That's, That's all. all we got. That's all the information Perfect. we got here. But you got to find that sign, take a great photograph of it. We'll get it up on our Facebook page. We might even make it our uh, image for our next podcast when we get back. So please uh, send us a photo. We want to see this great sign. It's great, too, because we're never going to let Paul Ryan forget that he made that promise to people. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. And, you know, I mean, the I just want to say thank you to Citizen Action and Robert, who I know spends hours and hours on this report. In fact, I do believe one year I helped you. It was his furlough last week, wasn't it? it? Yeah. Wasn't it his furlough? last week that he was going to be. It was my weekend. See, yes. hey, then, but I, we like to talk podcasts together. But our Kevin Kane organizing director uh, did a lot of the data too, so he's a So wait, author. so you're both nerds on the weekends. Um, He did most of his work after the let weekend. Me, well, hold on. Let me, fa- but he's younger and faster than I am. Let me point out, though, however, chart <laughs> six, there was a little drinking when chart six was made. There's some mistakes, I believe, in chart six. I'm just going to point that out. Go run. Now go read the report, and you can check for yourselves. So, hey, one other thing that clearly... I, I think Kevin's on it. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, no, no. Well, you know, he was definitely uh, down in those uh, stouts late night. So here, here's the thing that... Beyond just the empirical evidence you guys provide here about actual data, I know, fake news, um, we know 
that people are actually moving with their feet. This week it was announced that we're up 14% above last year in terms of the amount of enrollment for the Affordable Care Act. So in spite of this campaign about how awful this is, how it's terrible, how it costs too much money, more and more people are running to sign up than ever before. And you can still before. sign up till January 15th, so tell your friends for February 1st start. And even though there's no public information campaign to explain this to people, they are absolutely right because the right-wing plans, the ones that claim they're going to uh, uh, also not allow discrimination against people with pre-existing conditions, like uh, the one Ron Johnson put together a year and a half ago, they all say, if you have continuous coverage. So in other words, you can discriminate if someone's uninsured. So people are absolutely right that they should get this insurance and freaking hold on to it because that's the only thing that could guarantee you a right to, to, to keep health care as long as you can afford it, which is going to be the next big problem. Uh, with, uh, we don't call it repeal and replace because there's no replacement, so repeal and delay. But, it, but we'll be talking a lot more in January about this. Matt's right. The process is going to start January 3rd. It'll probably take them a couple of weeks. The idea is to have it on Donald Trump's desk. There'll be no replacement. It will, it will repeal the Affordable Care Act effective in two to three years after the next election. And then hope that they can stand away from the bomb and all the impact and say it was Obamacare all along and nothing to do with them. And so part of what we need to do is make it very clear what they are doing and work with Democrats in the set to do so. So there'll be many more activities you participate in at beginning in 2017. So rest up over the holidays, please. Well, yeah, rest up, because by the time we get this uh, report back to you on the podcast, we are going to be off next week during the holidays. Um, this, Some of this will have already started, and so we will have full details on our next podcast, first week of January, on what, if anything, happened on the 3rd and where things are headed. So, And any updates on activities and ways you can plug in. So we're definitely going to have uh, ways for folks to get involved. So before we go, and we're going to have to try to wrap this up, we have a couple of topics I want to quick get some, some of the panel's thoughts on. One is we found out this week that WEDEC actually for the first time, we believe, is using some of the tools that Citizen Action and a lot of our allies and other organizations have been pressuring, along with Peter Barca, uh, to try and get some accountability for outsourcing of jobs. And this week it looks like we found out that WEDEC is actually indeed clawing back some money, Robert, if I'm correct, from a number of companies. And we have a blog on this. Kevin Kane wrote an excellent blog that uh, folks can look for the details on. But this is... Uh, but it is, is still perfectly good. legal yes. to outsource and take money. They're talking about companies that outsourced and created no jobs. Right. So you can still get paid to create 30 and then outsource 30 others. So there's progress. Right. And they're responding to us because this is political dynamite, but they still don't actually want to do it. So we're going to continue to watch this, Robert. You're absolutely right. We know this doesn't solve the problem. The blog talks a little more detail, so kudos to Kevin Kane for staying on top of this issue. We'll continue to follow it. One other issue this week that blew up was around uh, at UW-Madison. Uh, there were some right, some of our fine, bright lights who clearly come out of, you know, and understand the importance of academia, um, have threatened to hold up essentially the whole UW uh, budget over one course – uh, that's not even a mandatory course uh, about white privilege. And uh, even Governor Walker has distanced himself from this ridiculous news, but it's gone national. Um, and I think, you know, I obviously want to get comments, but one, it shows how ridiculous they are that one course they would pull back funding 
um, and how reactionary there are. I mean, it's just it's mind-boggling. And and the other is it's about race, right? And it's an, yet again injecting race. They know that this is a a rough issue. You know, it's one where most of the general public rolls their eyes when they hear this course and they read about some of the details. Uh, so it's again, it's more of their dog whistle use of race. But the broader issue of you know threatening an entire uh, UW budget over one course, ah, unbelievable. Well, we were talking about this a little bit before the podcast. And I, it's a distraction. It's another opportunity, an excuse to attack the university. It's, you know, obviously Republicans in this state have been going after the UW system for years now. Uh, and it is a further erosion of free speech on campus, too. You know, I actually, if people will remember back in the late 90s, early 2000s, there was the um, Scott Southworth lawsuit uh, that went all the way to the Supreme Court about free speech on campus and you know i mean this is just another stupid way to get people riled up that a great public institution is you know taking their tax dollars when we can be creating jobs and you know we're going to rewrite the wisconsin idea and the sifting and winnowing of our great universities it's it's bullshit it's also grist for that so, right-wing media machine right so right-wing talk shows i'm sure all over this um look here's the thing right this is an embarrassment Right. UW, the whole system, not just Madison, is a crown jewel in the state. And a lot of people uh, stay in the state or move to the state uh, because of it, uh, because of the investments that hardworking people have put their nickels and dimes together for years to build up. Right. And so you have to have academic freedom. So if we get a national reputation, it's like the North Carolina bathroom bill, right? We get a national reputation now for being a narrow-minded, um, anti-fact, anti-knowledge, anti-higher education. Uh, and so to have the leadership in any legislators talking about this, it becomes a national story. It's embarrassing. The second thing is that with academic freedom, you have difficult concepts. You have topics that are even offensive. You have to, right? And the whole point of tenure, which they've also gone after, is so professors can do that. In the old days, they used to get fired when they did something controversial. If they talked about evolution in the middle of the 19th century, they, <gasps> they'd get fired. Well, there are parts of this country where- What do you believe where, in global warming? You right, crazed exactly. person. And I want to say the second thing. There's a second factor here Science. about race. These guys, they're mostly guys, want to believe this is a colorblind society. That's part of their ideology, what they insist it is, because they don't want to deal with the actual consequences of racism and structural racism that are still here. So they don't like the title, The Problem of Whiteness. They know nothing about the class. They've not taken it. They probably couldn't pass it. Uh, it's prob <laughs> probably well beyond their oh, their, Robert, beyond them. But the here's scholars. the thing, right? There is a problem yeah. with whiteness, and starting with the fact that it's an artificial cultural construct. We're the same species. There is no biological difference. It's entirely socially constructed. And the, creating this difference between white and non-white has caused a lot of the inequality and discrimination or oppression that we've had in the last 500 years uh, as Europe became predominant technologically and colonized the world. And so we need to actually talk about that and have our young people learn about that and have interactions about that if we're going to actually be a Kai society, a just society that's evolving and learning from its past and becoming better. So I just want to say flat out, there are some people who don't want to take this on because they don't want to touch the thorny issue of race. That's the problem. That's why we have ongoing structural racism, because we don't take it on. And the one place it ought to be safe to be t discussed is on campuses. That's the one place where, there's, where it's not like right-wing talk radio. And if by the end of the day, I'll just finish on this, they'll just have right-wing talk radio hosts being our professors. Well, 
that is a perfect way actually to wrap up this podcast. And can Charlie Sykes get an emeritus position and teach our young people? Thank you for how to exploit bringing it full circle and why <laughs> we think radioactive so important. Again, want to encourage people to join our radioactive campaign before we go and before I get holiday furloughs. And I'm going to get holiday furloughs from you, Robert, since you're off for a full week. Um, I need to follow up on our co- our conversation last week about Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark. We've got to do a shout out to all of the leaders here in Milwaukee who have been standing up to him. And that takes courage, right? Because this guy's shown he's a bit of an authoritarian and he still is Just our sh- he still is our sheriff. And um, so shout out to the folks at the county board who've been doing that and uh just this week we found out Gwen Moore had uh, an, it sounds like there may be a federal investigation into the jail deaths and there's been four jail deaths that sheriff David Clark continues to call fake news and uh we mentioned this last week that he's responding to basically all charges with saying it's because he supported Trump and this is fake news and not really responding at all in fact having insults so shout out to congresswoman Gwen Moore for sticking her nose in and leading as uh, we need leadership at this time. Uh, Jorna? Hashtag make America great again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I want to his... say, if you live in a non-factual world, counterfactual world, that makes perfect sense just to repeat every time a fact comes up that you're being attacked because you supported Donald Trump. So God forbid there should be any accountability. He believes in total accountability for any person who's, who, who lacks power, who's low income, who's young, who makes a mistake, but then no accountability for himself when people die under his alleged care. So, Robert, what are you doing this weekend? Or excuse me now, we should say this week. When you leave your political bunker today, what's happening? Well, my... Parents uh, still live in the Chicago area, so I'll be going down. My brother, Ted, who lives in Milwaukee, will be going down. Our nephews will be going down, so we'll have, a, have uh, holiday celebrations down there. And so, in addition, obviously, there are things I'll also be working on, and the one thing I will promise for the new year, because this is going to help me do it if I promise it to our podcast listeners, Okay, and that is... Accountability. I'm so concerned about us having a really strong progressive candidate for governor to take out Scott Walker in 2018. I'm going to try to write an op-ed that, based on what's happened in the last year, actually lays out what this candidate, I'm not naming what candidate I would support, but just what candidate, a real progressive candidate, should run on in, in 2018. And so I'm going to try to write an op-ed about that and get that down you know, to 650 words. And we'll be, be very interested if I succeed in doing this on, on everyone's uh, reactions to whether this is the right agenda or not. Excellent. Well, that's actually inspiring, and I look forward to reading that. Jorna, what will you be doing over the holidays? Um, so I will be going up to Door County to spend the holidays with my folks and then spending some quality time launching the Robert Craig for Governor campaign. Oh! We got we to gotta hit the well, ground you're running fill, you're right filling after in the, blanks, right? the first you, of the year. Do you remember the, the Adley Stevenson thing? If, if, uh, yeah, I remember that because I was it, alive back then. No, no. It, it, yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I, that, was not, that, would be very, that would be very rude to say to any young lady. So I apologize <laughs> on that. Any young lady. But remember if... The if, lady term. If... if, if, if Remember, if, if nominate, I will not run. If elected, I will not serve. Remember that. Something like that. Something anyway. Something like that. Well, I was, that, I was looking. Of course, f- he ran both times. You're so. going gonna to start making homemade yard signs for I was Robert. looking forward to reading it now that that's 
been predetermined that he's not candidate X. Well, Jesus. Well, boring. Draft Craig. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm also going to be off next week. I'm not a podcast host. (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, that is quite a thrill. So uh, I'll be off next week. Very much looking forward to spending time at 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 home with the kids. Going to do. I think we're going to go skiing. Never ever gone skiing with my kids, and that was a good idea Bonnie had. So shout out to Bonnie for going skiing. Um, I am going to be uh, going to Mount Horeb on uh, Sunday to spend time with my family. Uh, very much looking forward to it. Just about all my siblings will be there, and uh, we'll be racing New Year's Eve uh, in Decoin, Illinois. So uh, our first indoor race of the season. Very much looking forward to that with my. With my son and Bonnie will be joining us. And uh, I do... enjoying the cultural institutions in DeCoin. DeCoin has fantastic cultural institutions. And choice hotels. I believe if you're into strip bars, maybe. I don't know. Uh, With that, we want to thank all of our listeners uh, for sticking with us, enjoying our show. We really want to encourage you to share the show if you like it. um, And uh, keep sticking with us in 2017. As always, though, we want to thank Brian Woodridge, who makes the podcast happen every week. And I will see you next week here at the Battleground, Wisconsin.